To the Sugar and Dread podcast. First name Sugar. Second name Dread. Haha. <laughs> Wicked. Um, sweet. We are here today. We've mm-hmm. got um, what have we got? We've got a top five uh, fairy tales. So we've got our top five fairy tales. Yeah. Um, and then we've got some poems for you from A.M. Justar and Samantha Thornhill. Yes. Um, Yo, how how are you? What's going on? What's what's going on in the world of dread this this fine <laughs> this fine day? But uh yeah, um I was having I was I was starting to I was missing the tube the other day. I was I was missing like various random annoying <laughs> fam. From time from when I when I'm when I'm looking so I'm, I'm clearing up my um, my phone in it. I'm clearing up my phone um of of pictures because I need to because I need to make space for for an update. And when I and as I'm going through, why am I why am I seeing random random accidental pocket pocket photos and accidental like floor pictures of the tube and I'm and I'm feeling away? What kind of rubbish? I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yes, memories. Oh gosh, what I had public scrolling through his images and he's seen he's seen pictures of the tube like it's his ex girl and he's like rah. Raw, maybe I still love her. It's the tube, bro. <laughs> Mate, fam, it's not even this it's not it's not funny. It's actually not <laughs> it's not funny. It's it's crazy. You're going through it. Fam, had had we not entered a pandemic, this would have been the opening opening night for a for a project I was I was contracted in that I'm not allowed to disclose because lockdown dropped before oh, before the man. nba lifted so <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah 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 as as my as my phone calendar has been reminding me it's been like hmm oh yeah <laughs> um, i've i've been having the same thing for like the past month so yeah um, as lockdown dropped i was supposed to begin going into rehearsals for my show because little run with grandma was going on tour and so um, now we're in the phase where I would have been on tour, so I would have been in all these different places. So um, yeah. I was supposed to be at Brighton Festival, um, and so it keeps coming up in my calendar as in like little run with Grandma Nottingham, and like just mm-hmm. all these different places that I was supposed to be in, um, or rehearsal dates that I was supposed to have, and it kind of it pops up in your calendar, and you're like, oh yeah, this is what I was supposed to be doing, yeah. and this is the life that I was supposed to be living. Um, but we ain't living it no more. Um, um but yeah, no, I've been enjoying the sunshine. So that's good. I've got, I've got younger siblings, and so every minute they want to be in the garden. Uh, times mm. where, you know, so I've just been getting miserable for no reason. Like, yeah, I'll just be up, and I'm just like, raw. Like your mood is just mad 
okay. sour or you're just mad vex for and do you know when it's like you're in a mood and you can't even temper it or you can't even it's like you're just vex mm. um and so uh i've been in those spaces a lot this week but it's been okay. kind of just being able to they'll be like oh do you want to go outside and i'm like yeah let's go outside because i know um once you can't like once i start playing with my brothers and whatnot then the mood is gonna go um and just being able to like have fun and play with them and whatever um is is has saved me from just being mad sour for extra long periods of times um Mm. so let's get into the top five the top five this week is top five fairy tales Bruv, this was the hardest one to do because <laughs> man didn't grow up on fairy tales. Man grew up on Bible stories. What do you mean? No one read me a fairy tale to go to bed at night. Oh, no. I read about Jonah and the Flood or David and Goliath. Man oh, wasn't no. reading them fairy tales. Most uh, of my fairy tales, I've actually, like, I've realized I've come to know them, like, as I'm older. But I was reading Bible stories. Like, I was going to bruh. bed with Bible stories. Man weren't going to bed with fairy tales like nah, nah, nah or gregory cool and them man um man had books still. or whatever so 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 yeah so so this was hard but i've got something so in at number five mm-hmm. i've got goldilocks and the three beers um it's a mad thing it's this little blonde white girl <laughs> that basically goes into next man's house eats off next man's porridge sleeps in next man's bed like I'm just like this is wild. This is this is this is breaking and entering, breaking and entering. Um, it's mad, um, and then we're all like happy about it. I don't get how Goldilocks is the hero of of this fairy tale or why it's promoted. Like the fairy tale should have ended and the three bears ate Goldilocks because that's she was it. too damn fast. Um, <laughs> that's that's how that's how the fairy tale should have ended. Um, I feel like Goldilocks is very British. I feel like she has a very British mentality to go into other people's property and places and act as if the stuff there is her own. In at number four, I've got Little Red Riding Hood. I think it's just absurd. But at the same time, I think it's a very good story against stupidity. Why are you chatting to wolves? Why are you telling wolves your business? Keep your business to yourself and go and see your grandma. And also remember people's faces because there's no way your grandma can be a wolf and you not notice um so i feel like there's some very important lessons to be learned from little red riding hood so i respect it because i feel like there's less foolishness being taught in little red riding hood than there is in goldilocks um we all know little red riding hood is a little idiot for the behavior that she takes and she gets away with it but we're all very aware that she's somewhat lucky so my number four for that reason in at number three we've got Hansel and Gretel um I chose this one because basically I think it's just a bit darker um I think it's a bit of a darker story um and I think there's more kind of metaphors in it in terms of, you know, you leave the breadcrumbs, then the breadcrumbs get niam. And sometimes when you go into the forest, you can think you've left the way out, but the streets take your way out. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's like lost in the woods kind of vibes. And then you come across an evil witch and it's like, yeah, life be like that sometimes. Um, 
you thought you were safe, but it ain't safe. Yo. Um, but you know what? You can escape and you can use yeah. your wit um, and and you can get out and it can all be good. But also sweets are bad for you, you know? Don't be going into a yard full of sweets. Um, I feel there's there's loads of things to be learned and to be said about Hansel and Gretel. But yeah, very much so. Hansel and Gretel is number three for me. In at number two, we've got The Ugly Duckling. I feel this is a feel-good story, you know? Um, some yeah. of us, you know, grew up going to secondary school, you know? Some of us, you know, were called fat, you know? Some of us had abuse you know some of us were called Russ. when you think about some of the the names that you were called at school um yeah. wild names i'm pretty sure i was called rubber lips <laughs> wild names wild names um wild wild um yeah and i i also know i was dishing out crud myself as well so this is not even a like oh woe is me like no i was i was giving it back um was giving out too. um oh boy but yeah you know we weren't paying and we grew and we grew and we matured into our looks and now i would say i'm handsome i'd say i'm a handsome guy i'd say i'm a handsome fella um my number one fairy tale story this was this was when you said fairy tales, this was the first one that came to mind because this was actually in my childhood. Mm-hmm. In at number one, I've got Jack and the Beanstalk. Fam, I knew you were going to say that one, fam. This is number one. For every child that was sent to the shops to go and buy something. <laughs> yeah. And always wanted... To just buy foolishness instead yeah <laughs> this is this is what this is for this is it's for you this this fairy tale is for you it's when your mom has given you money to go shop and you go shop but really you want to spend 10 pounds on sweets or you want to spend the two pounds <laughs> that you've been given on gobstoppers not bread do you know what i mean this is what <laughs> this is who jack and the beanstalks for because my man yeah. goes to the market He's even worse than that because he goes to the market yeah. and trades the cow for beans. Oh my goodness. And, <sighs> you know, any parent in their right mind would have beat that child <laughs> for selling <laughs> the way we are going to live. Okay, you don't make those kinds of mistakes. You need to learn. Um, um, but no, what happens to Jack? There's a beanstalk. Man climbs up the beanstalk. Jack's also a thief, but, you know, we're not going to yeah. get into that. Um, he climbs up the beanstalk, steals the 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 hen, gets the eggs, you know, and and Jack funds his mom in it, so his mom can no longer beef him. And I feel like Jack is the youth that was living the childhood that we never got to live, because if we did, there ain't no magic beanstalk. Listen, and chops in your head for not buying what you were supposed to buy. So that's my number oh, one, Jack and the Beanstalk. So let me run down my top five. So in at number five, we had Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Then at number four, I had Little Red Riding Hood. In at number three, I had Hansel and Gretel. In at number two, I had the Ugly Duckling. And in at number one, Jack 
and the beanstalk. Yeah. So, Fam. Go through. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. My turn. So at number five, the 1001 Arabian Nights by Shahrazad in it. Now, I put this whole category of stories in there because I don't know if they count as fairy tales. However, they are a collection of phenomenal stories, right? Um, and and even the story of how they came about of like of there being this like this sultan that was just that was just nonsensical. Imagine Henry VIII, right? But even fatter, even richer, and more murderous. This guy was this guy was like he he was he was he was he would chop 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 chopping wives and then chopping off their heads. It was ridiculous. But Shahrazad right, was like, oh no 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 no, but but you know what? What if I will tell you a story? And let me start telling you the story. And, you know, he'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, tell me the story, tell me the story. And then and then she'd, and then she'd get to the, and then she'd get near the end or just at the twist. And then she'd be like, oh, you know, you know, I, I'm tired and I'll tell you the rest of the story tomorrow. And then he's like, oh, so then, so then because the, because the stories were so lit, this, this murderous guy was so desperate to hear the end of the story. And so he'd so he, she then survived to the next night and then the next night and then the next night. And then she did this for 1001 nights, fam. I, how you string someone along, for, how you string someone along for let's do the maths in it because that's what that's well over three years, right? How you do that to save your own neck because then by the end of that, he's this guy, this guy's even 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 for even forgotten what a, what a chopping block looks like, you know what I mean? Like he's his character has changed just by virtue of these stories, so yeah, big up. Big up Shahrazad and the 1001 Nights. In at number four is The Three Spinners. Um, I put that on my number four because I have very distinctive memories of being read being read this um, from our Brothers Grimm book of fairy tales. And my mum my doing the voices for these characters was hilarious in it. It was... <laughs> um, <laughs> My mom doing the voices for each for each of these for each of these crones was hilarious because like even with the lip one she would drop her lip and be, uh, anyway anyway it was somehow somehow she gave a thumb a voice wavy number three right number three I've got Cinderella um, but not the Cinderella that we know from the Disney films no 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 the Cinderella that I'm talking about is. Is the is the Brothers of Grimm version? There are loads of versions of this story. Um, Cinderella's stepmother is um, is still an evil witch in this in this one. Still still an enemy of progress. The um, Cinderella's stepsisters are still criminals and crooks and 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 evil persons. However, the comeuppance they get in this one is great. After the the you know the the magic has happened and she goes to the she goes to the dance and you know the print the prince comes out and he's like who's who is who is this who is this one I was dancing with? Anyway, she goes he goes through the whole land like an idiot uh, asking women to try on these shoes and the stepsisters here in advance you right. The wine, isn't it? So <laughs> that's it, that's it that's it. For... Said I must find out who she is. Sorry, I don't know why I'm being like this. Please continue. Please continue. Anyway, it was carrying this shoe now from place to place. Now the step the stepsisters caught wind of it, and the stepmother caught wind of it, and she and the stepmother was like, "Eh, okay, it's over. That's that that this that this rat that this Cinderella must 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 chop life over my dead body. What so what happened? She chopped 
off the toes of her daughters, fam. I love this story because you see how the 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 wicked inflict their own punishments upon themselves. Sometimes the devil doesn't have to do anything. Sometimes God doesn't have to do anything because people's own character will catch up with them and do the punishment for them. So that's why I love this fairy tale. Um, in at number two, I have Rumpelstiltskin. I love this fairy tale because it's the power of naming something in it. The power that if you name something and you identify it, it takes the power away from it. And so you're able to conquer the thing. Um, sometimes the things that work for us stop working for us and they become to our detriment. Um, however, once we take power over these things by naming them and calling them what they are, um, then they don't have any more power over us. So that's why I love Rumpelstiltskin. Um, yeah, and in my number one, I'm sharing my number one with you, Jeremiah. It is Jack and the Beanstalk. Fam, Jack and the Beanstalk is... Oh gosh! And when I heard you talking about it, right, it ratified its pos- its position as in number one. <laughs> Boy, fam, the reach of this story is far and wide. Apparently, there's a version of Jack of, of Jack and the Beanstalk in like almost in almost every known story. T- well, all all cultures tell stories, but like most most cultures, um, most cultures have a version of this story. You know, if it's not like a beanstalk, then it's a tree. If it's if it's not a cow, then it's a goat. You know what I mean? Something like that. But yeah, and there's good reason for it because it's the universal, it's the universal ha ha of every child that was sent to the shop. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the story of like of it's the ultimate story of social mobility. You're you know what I mean? Like you go from you go from broke to like bank. It's it's incredible. Um, yeah, I love it. I love this. I love all these stories, but yeah, that's my top five. So running through it again, um, number five, the thousand and one nights, um, and the origin story of that again, let's have a top five for that one. We will see. Um, but yes, number five, thousand and one nights, number four, the three spinners, number three, Cinderella, number two, Rumpelstiltskin and number one, Jack and the Beanstalk. Cool. So that was top five. Now it's time for some poems. Yeah. Some poems. Um, wicked. So the poem that I am going to read this week is called I Sit Half Naked. And it uh-huh. is by A.M. Juster. Uh, oh, and it's from issue number 76 of Magma. I Sit Half Naked by A.M. Juster. I sit half naked with my socks still on, my gown half open, because this teaching hospital believes that dignity disrupts efficiency and all there is for anyone to read is one brochure in Spanish, El Dolor, which after 37 minutes gets my full attention, then before long, gains my full approval as I dwell upon what doctors call depression and the way that term suggests a highways dip and rise, not the last lonely exit on a road to nowhere growing narrower and dark until you stop, besieged by underbrush. Then I remember how economists contend that a recession's depth portends the strength of the recovery to come. Thus, a depression should be followed by a gazer of exuberant new goods, which is a promise mostly left unkept. And finally, 
how tropical depressions pummel shores, then shortly later grace unblemished sky with unexpected azure. But Spanish, it abhors our metaphor. So el dolor, a sadness with no bounds or schedule, only unspecific loss, describes a world of closed, dead circuitry that leaves us mourning those we lose to grief. The door snaps open and I hear him say, sorry I'm late, so how are we today? That is, I sit half naked by A.M. Juster. So I chose that poem. Um, I was going to read it last week or last pod, um, but I think I was having like a streak of really um, depressing poems. So I was like, let me liven it up with a poem about fire destroying someone's home. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, clearly I have a different perspective on what a happy poem is. Um, But yeah, I really, um, I came across this poem and then immediately um, where the line where it talks about um, on the second line, because as soon as he says gown, I'm like, okay, I'm tweaked as maybe this is not um, something normal. Um, And then um, he says, because this teaching hospital believes that dignity disrupts efficiency. And I was like, whoa, um, now we're somewhere, where are we, what's going on? And it kind of dives you and launches you um, into that kind of world and um, the kind of, he's waiting there for 37 minutes looking at the magazine. And so it takes 37 minutes to get his full attention. But I love Mm. the way that even the signifying of those 37 minutes, we realise how long he's in that room for. I like the way that little things like that and how the kind of the craft of signifying the length of time, signifying the loneliness or the the kind of the awkwardness of the situation of you spent 37 minutes and it took that long before, okay, this boring looking Spanish magazine um, is what I decide to read. And I think loads of us have been in that kind of situation in a waiting room or some such um where if you're there for long enough, you will literally read whatever is there. Um, And then when he talks about the word depression, I think it's really spectacular the way Mm -hmm. that language, language is, is such a spectacular thing. And I think I was reading this poem and I was like, yeah, a depression, like he's right. Like there's hope. And, you know, there's, okay, like, it suggests a dip, but the dip is going to be a rise. Um, And then he talks about the economists, and then he's like, I remember how economists contend that a recession's depth portends thus, portends the strength of the recovery to come. Um, And so you're like, yeah, okay. I don't know, for me, I was reading it, and I was like, okay, so this is like a hopeful poem. I was like, I dig it. I was like, yeah, I'm with you. Um, oh and then he gets to like but Spanish and I'm like oh, <laughs> or Spanish like, oh, but Spanish he's <laughs> like but Spanish it abhors our metaphor so el dolor a sadness with no bounds or schedule only unspecific loss describes a world of closed dead circuitry that leaves us mourning those we lose to grief um, and I think it was 
it was such a abrupt turn. And I think it was the way that it took me out of that hopeful kind of, I feel like that section really takes you out of that kind of that hope of the earlier section, mm. which maybe you didn't even really believe. And then I feel like there's, with those lines, you kind of settle in to a, a true kind of un feeling more of a feeling of like actually yeah no this is this is what is more of an accurate definition of depression um mm. and more of a feeling of like not having that hope and that expectation of a rise and whatever um which isn't necessarily like true and i like to think that the english definition um and you know the economic depression that suggests like there will be a rise i think that's something to hope for but i think in the midst of that of that um situation like if you're in it then yeah. it is it is dead circuitry and it is a closed circle and uh, do you know what i mean there is no bounds yeah. to it um and i think the way that it flips from that into that um by virtue of of switching language i think it's it's just like it like it really hits you even more than if that had just come at the beginning mm. um and then as you're kind of coping with that um that swivel and that turn in the poem then the doctor comes in um yeah. and asks how are we today and i think that that line i don't know it got me mad because i'm like we all know that you know, he's sitting there, he's in a hospital gown, he's clearly not well, he's reading, he's looked at depression, um, he's identified, he's described it so well that we kind of assume that he's got some kind of experience with it because he's described it so aptly. Um, mm. But we know that the answer to the doctor's question is going to be, I'm okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think there's something about the poem ending at that point as well i don't know maybe for me just like the lies that we that we kind of just function with um mm. the assumption that we're okay or that we're gonna say we're okay even when we're clearly not um and i know and i feel like the strength of the poem is not even having to say that and i don't know maybe that maybe that's me reading onto the poem um but yeah I, I feel like even just that being the question that's asked at that point and that decision that that has to be made as to what is going to be said, um, mm. I think is is really 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 well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think just to add on to what you're to what you're saying, especially about the end of that poem, it really for me it kind of grabs you. It kind of grabs the moment of um, just when you begin falling into yourself. Um, where if you if if you're I don't know, being also be, I guess being in that, being in that state of mind. Um, but then also you're kind of ruminating or thinking or overthinking. And then the way kind of life can just rip you out of that. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's almost a sense of, um, there's a feeling of being lost, right. Of suddenly, um, being like dropped in the middle of something almost like, almost like waking up from a nap, um, 
and in that nap there's been like a really intense really vivid dream in it like it takes you a minute to realize like what is what's going on and like where what reality is um just because you've been locked into this thing for so long and the fact the way the first stanza just rolls on and on and on and on and on is also reflective of like of the time spent in that mental state and it's it's a poem that kind of get it's a poem that gets you under the under the diaphragm in it like right in right there in the chest um especially if especially if like you've you've had this kind of experience before um whether in like a medical whether there's been a medical situation or in or like or you've you've kind of experienced this kind of like state of mind before it's 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 a lot um yeah it's very powerful it's yeah <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a gut punch that gets no less surprising um when you when you read it more frequently if that makes sense yeah and i i think it's also the way that it uses two languages as well um i think for someone myself who's monolingual i love when language is used in a poem i feel privileged as well to gain another person's world for that short experience so i i don't have access to the world in spanish do you know what i mean so mm. if you speak english and you speak spanish you have access to the world in these two languages um and to me like that blows my mind i think that's amazing um apparently mm. not amazing enough to learn another language but hey here we are um <laughs> but you have <laughs> you have access to the world yeah. in in these multiple languages and the way that language is formed there's nuances and there's there's ways that the world changes by virtue of you having a different language and i think what this poem does is is it just shows how dramatic that shift can be mm. yeah yeah man this is why i love this is why i love poetry and this is why i love languages in it it's it's great um uh -huh. okay so my poem is ode to gentrification by samantha thornhill those living here long enough to testify to the rough whores of the brothel that was this lot old school denizens of this bleach boned block would say that the realest thing about the white woman and her Yorkie on this reimagined street is the leather of the leash that tethers them. Your very name, glass splinter planted deep in the fat of our vernacular. Gentrification, rightly mistaken for juxtaposition. Pretty boys with swagger, checkerboard trains, skyscraper sadness, bodegas sighing out soy. Peruvian girl and boy fattening fridges with Fiji between homework and dreams, while Pop slices and dices and mom rocks the register. Gentrification, kissing cousin to gratification, birthing gratitude, twin to regret. So call me regretful. I am so sorry to thank you for the manner in which I participate in your cruel and convenient magic. You ushered out the families who lived and loved where my head now rests. Yesterday, I retrieved laundry cleaner than bells. 
my unmentionables caressed by another mother's hands. I sit on the up side of your coin, drinking in the sky blues dregs while the teens I teach and the sturdy black grandmothers I salute with my seat kiss concrete. Ode to Gentrification by Samantha Thornhill. Why did you choose this poem? So, um, I think so. I got this. I got this poem from the um, Breakbeats Poets um, anthology, um, which is a great bunch of poems. Uh, definitely grab yourselves a copy. Um, but yeah, I just thought I just thought it looked it looked quite cool on the page, um, and so that's what got me reading it. And um, I really love how cinematic this poem feels. It feels like um, it feels like in the first in the first episode of the show where you're kind of like panning over the area and you're kind of zooming in and onto you know various things and you're passing in between walls and yeah I really I really like that in in television and in film um, and I think this poem does that really well. It's very easy to write a gentrification poem that has. Um, kind of a fire of condemnation or indignation within it um and i'm not saying there isn't that there isn't a judgment made about the gentrification in um the poem but it's also gentrification from the perspective of someone who lives there or who has been living there um it's gentrification from the perspective of someone who like this is this is what life is is peak but you deal with it is gentrification from the perspective of someone who isn't entirely who isn't pleased with it but um is i don't is also is also feeling conflicted about the fact that it's also offering services um that they are able to use and take advantage of and that's actually a benefit to their life it's the it's the it's the it's the complexity of of that um what I really like about this is, you know, it's being written as an ode to gentrification. All of these, it's writing and writing something as praise to something as a way of fully analyzing it and revealing its properties and and its things. And it kind of highlights this conflicted relationship with gentrification because, as much as um, more, I say more privileged members of a community because like there are because gentrification negatively affects the people who are being priced out of the area. But as someone who is from the area, who is fortunate enough to not be at least immediately priced out by the gentrification happening there, there is that, um, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's not, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not guilty pleasure. It is, there is that feeling of, um, as much as this, as terrible as this thing is, there is a part of me that likes it and I like it f and I like it for the very reason I hate it kind of thing. I don't know how I feel about this poem, um, to be honest. I think there's, okay. I don't know, that it, I think the most, what I find most interesting about the poem is the point where they say, so call me re-grateful. I am so sorry to thank you for the manner in which I participate in your cruel and convenient magic. 
you ushered out the families who lived and loved where my head now rests. Mm-hmm. Um, and the implication that this person is, because um, I think a lot of the gentrification poems or the poems that we hear about in regards to gentrification are written from the perspective of the people who were there first. And yeah. we're speaking from that point of view. Whereas I feel like from that section, um, what she's saying is that she is here because of the gentrification. That's true. That's very true. So her head rests where it rests because of the families ushered out from this place. So she's here Mm. because of the gentrification. And that's why... um, that's why she's she's kind of there. So she's got mm. that that gratitude and that twin of regret. Um, and I think that's an interesting thing. And I think that's a conversation um, to be had as well, because it's not always, you know, the white woman with the 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 dog or whatever with the yoki um, that is symbolic mm. of of gentrification. There's there's other types of people as well who move in and, and take over these spaces, yeah. um, and so I I find that bit of it interesting, um, but I don't know how I feel about it. Um, in about terms it as of, a poem. Yeah, like mm. when she says, "I'm so sorry to thank you for the manner in which I participate in your cruel and convenient magic." the poem up until that point doesn't feel like you're sorry. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, to me, it doesn't true. feel like um, even calling it convenient magic yeah. immediately removes the sincerity of saying that you're sorry. And so there's a lot in this poem where I, I don't know. I question the sincerity of the speaker yeah, I sit on the upside of your coin, drinking in the sky's blue dregs, while the teens I teach mm. and the sturdy blank gra- grandmothers I salute with my seat, kiss concrete. Um, mm. And just even the image of sitting on the upside of the coin. I don't know, yeah. there's a lot of, of, of images here where she's kind of saying, well, like, I'm mad, lucky to still be here. Um, yeah. And it feels like there's a there's a bit of a sucks for you kind of vibe to the poem. Um, yes 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 is an interesting which is an interesting way to kind of write a poem about gentrification um but i can't say that me myself yeah i don't know i'm not really i'm not so much feeling feeling it from from that perspective um so sorry yeah so as you're talking as you're talking i kept like I kept jumping because I because I kept thinking you were like at the end of what you were saying because I so eagerly but yeah I think I think you're you know with it's it's interest um it's good that you that you had that that you've got that perspective because I think what I did is because of the way we're used to gentrification poems I was reading it ironically I was reading that the tone of the latter half ironically and I think I was superimposing that onto onto the text um the you know the convenient magic the what's it called what I was trying to avoid saying earlier was I wanted to avoid using the phrase guilty pleasure right because it's that it's it's that guilty pleasure energy from it is oh it's a bit naughty I mean I shouldn't be enjoying it but I kind of do you know what I mean 
Um, that's what I was getting from the poem, but I didn't want to get that from the poem. So I guess, I guess like, I guess this is probably a lesson in like just reading the poem for what the poem is rather than reading the poem and then coming with your own assumptions as to what you think the poem is or the way you think the poem should be talking about a thing. Because I mean, yeah, I, I just assumed it was ironic and there's a lot that I overlooked in, you know, even with the number of times I read it that you picked up on, um, which I actually agree with you with actually, I agree with you on actually. And yeah, I don't know if I, and I don't, I don't know if that's, um, I don't know if that's a nuance. I don't know if that's like a nuanced thing in terms of like, I don't know, maybe there's, um, maybe there's something in between each, in between both of our readings of this. Maybe this, this conflict I'm experiencing is, is intentional. Maybe, maybe it's just me coming to terms with like <laughs> the fact that I was overly generous towards the speaker of the poem. Um, I mean, I it's, it's, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's always, it's always interesting because just where you sit in terms of reading things and the generosity and, and what you're willing to give. And I don't know, people may listen to this and think, rah, like Jeremiah's mad cynical. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it, people yeah. can sit in different, in different spaces. And I think that's kind of why I'm also a bit, because I'm not reading this in the context of this person's other work or in the context mm. of a body of work, um, you know, that in in some other context, it, it might not, it, it might become clearer. Um, yeah. There might be reason to give benefit of the doubt or da, 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 but just on, on first, like on being exposed to the kind of just this poem, um, those were the sort of, like questions and feelings that that I had for it um but I think it's I think it's important to like like poems and not like poems and maybe like poems and then be challenged as to why you like those poems and yeah. then have to think about it um and I think it's also a conversation I, it's also why it's good to talk about poetry as well mm -hmm. because you can take something from a poem um, and then someone else takes something else and that makes that challenges your own kind of what you got away from the poem and just makes you ask more questions. And I feel mm. like um, that's one of my favorite things about poetry is is the way that it invites questions. So we and that is the Sugar and Dread podcast. We gave you our top five fairy tales. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, we did. And we read you some poems. I bought A.M. Just as I Sit Half Naked and Dread bought Samantha Thornhill Ode to Gentrification. Um, yes, uh, we follow us on Twitter. Um, yes. Follow us on Twitter at Sugar, at Sugar and Dread. And um, yeah, the music that you're listening to in the background is by Gabriel P. Jones. Yes. Um, um, yeah, at Gabriel P. Jones on Twitter, at Gabriel yes. Poet on Instagram. Yes. known as Bumpkin. Um, oh, follow, follow. Yes, he is. Um, follow me on.
Instagram as well at Sugar J Poet. Um, every Monday, I basically do some kind of like quiz or questions or whatever relating to what we're going to talk about on the podcast or what we've talked about on the podcast. It's just released. So um, yeah, we have some fun with that on on a Monday. Um, so yeah, so if you like our top fives and stuff. Um, you can follow me on Instagram as well and we do, we do something every every Monday um, cool uh, yeah and follow Gabriel as well if you want <laughs> 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 <laughs>